Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. Have you ever had one of those days, or maybe it was, today was one of those days where everything that could go wrong just goes wrong? You ever had one of those days? Anybody have one of those days today? That was me today. Um, so I know we've already prayed and we prayed over Tyler. So what I wanted to ask is if, if we could all pray together before we jump into this. Um, just, just praying that God speaks to our hearts and our minds and keeps us focused on what he has to say. Is that okay? So let's all, let's all bow our heads and let's all pray together. Um, God, tonight I pray um, that as we talk about something that is very important. Um, something that can be life-defining. Um, God, that you'll fill us with your Holy Spirit to hear, fill us with your Holy Spirit to speak and to understand. Um, Lord, I pray that tonight what is, what is said and what is heard won't just be, that, that they will not be Matt's words, um, that they won't be uh, j- just advice, but God, that we'll, we'll go to your word for truth in every area of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. So before we get into dating, that's kind of a touchy subject for some people. Like when, when I said dating, you, some of you automatically thought of like a not so good situation you were in. So I thought maybe we could lighten the mood a little bit and start with um, some top Christian pickup lines. I'm trying to help some of y'all out, especially some of you guys. You know, yeah, yeah, guys need to start, you know, don't, 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 you know, don't, don't be like a, you know, don't be a girly man and slide into the DMs. Like, like actually talk to somebody in person and ask them out. So, and if you're a Christian, you know, you can use the Bible to your advantage. Okay. So I want to just demonstrate some ways you can do that. First, you can say last night I was reading the book of Numbers and I realized I didn't have yours. You know, like I think it would work. Um, so, you know, some of these are more directed to the guys. Or you could say, I was going to read Proverbs 31, but I decided to just study you instead. Oh. You didn't like that one. Let's try this one. Are you a fisher of man? Because you caught me hook, line, and sinker. You know, Jesus said we're supposed to be fishers of men. No? Okay. Um, what about this one? Baby, you're just like water, except Jesus turned you into fine. Okay. I'll just do, I'll just do one more. Uh, <laughs> How many times do I have to march around you until you fall for me? It's a Jericho thing, you know, read about it. Okay. So that's how you get, maybe would get into a relationship. But what if you're, what if you're, you find out you're not with Mr. Right, you're with Mr. Wrong? There are Christian ways to get out of relationships. Here's the first one. I'm giving you up for Lent. How do you argue with that, right? I'm giving you up for Lent. The next one, if you like to listen to Christian music, I got 10,000 reasons why we shouldn't be together. Okay? Judah liked that one. I'm looking for a knight in shining armor, but I just couldn't help but noticing you haven't been putting the full armor of God on lately. Yeah. And then, you know, one of the ultimate trump cards, like especially, you know, if you're, if you're in the Reformed tradition, you can say, I'm a Calvinist, we just weren't predestined to be together. So, so you can do that one too. So, so yeah, we, we do some things to, to kind of be funny because for some people it's kind of a sensitive thing. And for some people it's kind of an awkward thing. Um, so the, the, the question I get asked a lot is, why do we talk about dating? We used to do it every year. Um, but with COVID and stuff, what I realized is we haven't, we haven't dealt with this issue since 2018. Some of y'all were like eight years old in 2018, right? So, so uh, we try to do this around prom season for obvious reasons, right? Um, because some, a lot of times during prom season, you're thinking about who's asking you out, who you're going to ask out. You ever think about what does the Bible have to say about this? So tonight, as we, before we get started, I want to kind of like recognize three groups of people who might be here tonight. Group number one, 
you're single and fine with it. Like, 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 ain't nobody got time for that. Like, like, like you're looking at people dealing with all this relationship drama and you're like, why? Right? Why? Or maybe you're like, you're like in sixth grade and you're just like, I just honestly have not just, I have no interest in dating and I don't know why I'm here tonight. Like, like I just gave up juice boxes like a week ago. Like, like why am I here tonight? Well, what I want to encourage you to do is to take this, take this message from God's Word, take some notes, take some pictures, put it in your pocket, because you will need it one day. Some of you seniors, you, you older high schoolers, you're with me, right? You will, right? Can I get some amens from the high schoolers, right? You will need it one day. The second group are people, so there's people who are single and fine with it. Another group, single and not fine with it. Right? Like, that, that could be several things. That could mean, like, you've asked out pretty much every, like, yeah, guys, you've asked out, like, pretty much, you think every girl on the face of the earth, and you just keep getting rejected, 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 rejected. Yeah, use the pickup lines and your life will change, right? Or maybe you're single and not happy about it because you can, you, you've come out of, like, a really, like, strange or tough relationship with somebody and... You're single, but you're just de still dealing with some baggage. So you can be single and fine with it. You can be single and not fine with it. Or you could be dating someone right now. So if you're dating someone right now, um, I just kind of want to give you a warning is that we're going to be giving you a biblical grid by which to interpret and think about whether the person you're dating, or for you single people, the, pe the person that you want to be dating is someone who will bring you closer to God or not. So why this topic? Because who you date has a profound impact on your life. And can we just admit there's something not really good with the dating scene right now? Sometimes you see it at prom. There's this like circle at proms and homecomings that you dare not enter right as people are dating. Like, like not everything is good with the dating scene. So we need to be talking about that. And as we talk about it, you can be turning in your Bible to Matthew chapter 28. That's going to be, we're going to be turning, uh, you're turning a lot tonight, but we're going to turn to Matthew 28 first to kind of set this up. And as we're turning there, if we boil the message down into one sentence, it would be this. My relationship with Jesus determines the kind of relationships I have with others. Do you see where we're going tonight? That if you get the relationship with Jesus right, it enables you to get relationships, not just with people that you might date, but all relationships right. If you're right with Jesus, it helps you get right with your parents. If you're right with Jesus, it helps you to get right with your friends. If you are right with Jesus, it helps you pick the right people to spend large amounts of time with. So if you have your Bible, we're in Matthew chapter 28, and just to kind of set this up, you know, we've been in Matthew, we've just been at the beginning of Matthew when Jesus is teaching his disciples, right? At the end of Matthew, something big happens at the end of Matthew. Anybody know what it is? It's kind of life-changing. Somebody said it? Yeah, you may have heard of it. Jesus came back from the dead, like kind of a big deal, right? And Jesus comes back from the dead, and before he ascends back to heaven, Jesus died for our sins, right? He 
was in the grave for three days. He rose again, demonstrating he had the power over sin and death and he could give us eternal life. And after he rose from the dead, he appeared in front of witnesses and then he was taken back up to heaven. But right before Jesus was taken back to heaven, he left his disciples with some final words. You know how when you're going somewhere, your parents always have one more thing to yell in your direction to remind you of? Like if you're going on a trip, remember, you know, I don't know if anybody else's mom's like this. Guys, if you're going on a trip, your mom's always making sure you packed enough clean underwear or something like that. Like, like don't forget to call when you get to Johnny and Susie's house. You know, like mom, parents always have like final instructions, right? Jesus leaves some final instructions for his followers, this group of, 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 of people who were following him. And we're gonna read those instructions here in Matthew chapter 28. It says, now when the, Oh, there it is. When the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, when they saw him, they saw Jesus, what did they do? They worshiped him. He rose from the dead, right? I'd worship him too. But some doubted. And Jesus came, and what did he do? He said to them, these are his final instructions, right? This is what he said to them. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Those are the final instructions. It's actually not instructions, plural. It's like instruction, singular. Anybody know what the instruction is? All you grammar Nazis out there? I'll show you. Oh, Ben was so close, man. You're so close. This is it. Make disciples. That's the command. What does it mean to make a disciple? Well, Jesus tells us what it means to make a disciple and to be a disciple because there are three. You ready for this? It's a grammar term. I don't know if you've learned it before. It's the term participle. Any of y'all ever heard of a participle? Can anybody give me a definition of what a participle is? Probably not. But um, here's the thing. A participle is a verb that acts to modify another verb. It's, it's in participial form, meaning it's I-N-G. So you know, like rowing. Well, here's some participles. They don't all appear like it in the English, but they do in the Greek. And there are three of them. Here's the first one. Here's the second one. And here is the third one. They're not just participles. Here's what they're called. You ready to hear you ready for this? It's called a a dangling participle. Now, when I heard that for the first time, okay, I thought that was something you went to the doctor to get removed. Like, man, I got this like dang, you know, you know, like, like I got this like dangling participle on the side of my leg, like on the side of my arm. Like, can you help me? Like, doc, can you like remove it? But what that means is they all kind of like hang off of this command to make disciples. Does that make sense? And they tell us what it means to make disciples and to be disciples. And the first one that we see here is that we make disciples by going. We learn you may want to write this like in your Bible or, yeah, or, or something, that in Mark, I'm just going to abbreviate it, MK, Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 16, Mark was there too. He heard what Jesus said. And as Jesus was saying this, he didn't just say go and make disciples. He said go preaching the gospel 
making disciples. So the first thing about making disciples or being a disciple, being a follower of Jesus, is that you have to believe in the gospel of Jesus, right? So the first thing about being a disciple of Jesus is you've got to be saved. But there's more. We do it by going, by believing. We also do it by, ah, I just lost my, that wasn't good. There it is. This is the first time I've used this. Um, I'm using a new program. We also do it by baptizing. I did it again. In the words of Brittany, oops, I did it again. Um, there we go. By baptizing. What does it mean to be baptized? It means to be identified with Jesus, with his burial and his resurrection, right? We make disciples and we are disciples. We're following Jesus, not just by believing in his gospel, but by being baptized. Yeah, and some of you I know recently have been saved and we really want you to join us, identify with us, put our jersey on, or put, actually say Jesus' jersey on by being baptized. So we believe in Jesus. We, let me try to see. We believe in Jesus. We identify with Jesus, but here's the next one. Here's the final dangler. Teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. We become a disciple of Jesus by believing in him, by identifying with him, but finally we do it by observing all that Jesus commanded. I have a friend that calls this the great omission to the great commission. Because most people, they don't like this word. You know, they don't like the all. Like, you know, I'll do the whole like loving people. Like, that's cool. Like, I'll observe that of what Jesus commanded. The whole taking up your cross thing, like, nah. Like, like the whole kind of being a little bit more choosy about who I date, nah. Like, like, this is kind of important, isn't it? Um, I have a professor in my, one of my classes. His name is Scott Pace. He's not like a weird dorky professor. He's actually a pretty, pretty cool guy. And he said it like this. Discipleship, being a disciple, is cultivated through authentic love for Jesus in response to his sacrificial love for us. So we're getting ready to get real serious, like real, like rubber meets the road when it comes to dating. Like you're getting ready to meet some friends of mine, okay? Bad examples of dates. But before we do that, you gotta understand, this is not Jesus' life hacks, you see what I mean? You know what I mean by life hacks? You ever seen the people that have the, like the life hacks account? You do this one little thing, it'll improve your life. You do this other little thing, it'll improve your life. That's not how following Jesus works. Living the Jesus life means I believe in him because he died for my sins. And I love him so much that I'm willing to identify with him. I'll be baptized in his name. I'll go to my school bearing his name. I'm not ashamed to be identified with Jesus but not only will I believe and identify with him, I will follow all his teaching. Not because I think it's gonna make my life better, but because I love him, because he loved me so much. Therefore, I'll do anything he says. Are you following me? Like, this is not just to help you get more dates or help you get better dates. This is because we love Jesus because he died for us. Are you following? So what did Jesus command? If we're supposed to observe all that Jesus commanded, what did Jesus command? You know, you ever, it's an older show. There's still some of clips on TikTok. You ever hear Dr. Phil say, how's that working for you? He says that he'll bring in these people that are just hot mess express, like train wrecks of lives. And they'll tell him all the things they're doing. He's like, well, how's that working for you? 
How's the dating life working for most American teenagers? Here's some statistics. And for those of you that are dating and have your dates here, just I'm not, I'm not trying to at you, okay? But only 2%, this is a big change from your parents and especially your grandparents, only 2% of marriages in North America will be comprised of high school sweethearts in five years. It used to be like you meet somebody in school, you get married. Only 2% of those relationships last now. The overwhelming majority of teens aged 13 to 17 have been in a romantic relationship, but 38% of them met their date on social media. Sliding in those DMs. <laughs> but this, this one is actually pretty serious. One in three teens have been a victim of physical, emotional, sexual, or verbal abuse by a dating partner. So as we consider Jesus' words, we want to think about two things here. Everything we consider is going to be straight out of the Bible. But as you consider it, remember, these are not life hacks. These are to be done out of love and devotion for Jesus. They're to be considered. The second is, the stakes are pretty high. When you give somebody that level of access to your heart and to your mind and to your time, you need to be careful who you let into your life. So how do we honor Jesus through this? How do we obey all that Jesus commanded, take the principles of God's word and apply it to dating? Well, there's something I like to call dating, dumping, and disciple making. So over the next 10 minutes, we're gonna talk about six types of people that you wanna avoid. Tyler, would you grab that trash can and bring it up here? Um, there, there's, a wrinkle, uh, to, there's a wrinkle to this message that I didn't tell our participants. Um, we probably should take the bag out too. Um, is I'm gonna be introducing you to some people. I'm gonna be introducing you to some people. And as I introduce you to these people, what we're gonna decide, these people, these kind of people, should you dump them or should you date them? And these are six questions that you should be asking about people that you're considering dating. So the first question that we're gonna ask about this possible date is, is this person a believer in Jesus? I wanna, want you to meet someone, his name is Agnostic Austin. Everybody give it up for Agnostic Austin as he comes. I mean, you know, you, you gotta give him some props, he's a good looking guy, right? He's got a little bit of a swagger that some people find attractive. But the problem is, he really doesn't believe that God exists. And if he does believe maybe there is a God, he hates him and doesn't believe we can know him. But you think maybe, maybe I still might want to go out with this guy. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6. It's pretty black and white. It says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers, what partnership has righteousness with darkness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? I don't know if you've ever heard this term before, don't be unequally yoked together. That has nothing to do with poultry. 
What it means is they would take two oxen, I guess is the plural, two ox, oxen, and they would put them, they'd tie them together with something called a yoke so that where one ox would go, the other ox would go. And then if the ox would go this direction, they'd go this direction. And if they pulled together, they would pull a plow through a field. And what Jesus is saying here through the Apostle Paul is that if you're yoked together with an unbeliever, Three, one of three things is going to happen. The first thing is the two equal forces, you work walking towards God and him walking away towards God, you'll pull in opposite directions and you will be stuck spiritually. You'll go nowhere spiritually. The second option is you're a little stronger than Austin the agnostic, agnostic Austin. You're a little stronger and you're trying to drag him to God. You're like doing the three, the 3D, um, the 3D uh, discipleship principle when it comes to dating. Date, disciple, and dump. That's not a missionary strategy. Okay, not a, not a great way to do missions. But you're trying to pull him along and get him closer to God. But what's he doing? He's not moving. He's slowing down your spiritual growth. Or the third option is he's actually stronger than you are spiritually, mentally, emotionally speaking, and he's pulling you away from God. Is the person you're dating a believer in Jesus? Another verse that Jesus said through the apostle John speaks real clear here. He said, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, don't receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. That doesn't mean like invite somebody in for dinner. That means like allow somebody to stay in your house. I mean, most of you, I don't think, are moving. You better not be moving your boyfriends or girlfriends in your house. But you, I don't have my phone with me here, but you have like a digital house, right? Who are you letting in your DMs? <laughs> better not be agnostic Austin. It's funny, but you think about the yoke principle. You can go one of three ways. You can get stuck spiritually. You can get slowed down spiritually. Or you can backslide spiritually by being yoked together. Joined together in a, re a deep relationship with an unbeliever. So what we decide, believer, if not a believer, we're putting him in the trash. Hey, Tyler, can you wheel him out? I didn't tell you about that. Jordan's not real happy about this. Tyler's going to wheel him out. We're dumping him. So everybody give it up for Tyler. Tyler's your dad for the day. He's getting, your, he's getting this creep out of your life. So <laughs> Tyler didn't sign up for this either. So give it up for Tyler. Give it up for Jordan, Agnostic Austin. So is the person you're dating a believer? Maybe they passed the first test. Maybe they're a believer. But the next question, you're not going to like it. But according to Jesus, if you want to observe all he commanded, you have to consider it. Are your parents concerned about this person? Yeah, I said it. I said the P word. Are your parents concerned about this person? You may end up bringing home this guy named Rebellious Ryan. Is Rebellious Ryan in the house? There he is. You, you, may, uh, you may bring home Rebellious Ryan. And your dad quite can't figure out what he doesn't like about him. But he knows that he's bad news. He knows that he's bad news. He may have graduated from the radiology class of 2012. Oh, you, you got the lighter and everything. But he's bad news. What does the, the Bible say? It's that verse y'all tried not to look at. It's one of those great omissions, right? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. It's the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you 
you may live long in the land. You, you realize that one of Jesus' commands here is temporary and one is lifelong. The temporary command is obey your mo- father and your mother. Obey your parents and the Lord. It's the right thing to do. You have to abide by their rules. I got a question for you. Are you even allowed to be dating? Have your parents given you like the hall pass to date? Because I know some of y'all, some of y'all got these little relationships and your, pa- you, your mom will come up to me, your dad will come up to me and be like, hey, you know, little Johnny, just not really interested in girls. I'm like, that's interesting. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you should see his story, right? Um, like, but yeah, I don't narc, I don't tell. That's between you and your parents. But have your parents given you a pass? But not only are they allowing you to date, some of you who are getting older are realizing that your parents, while you still are under their roof and you have to obey them, the command to honor them is a lifelong commitment. Your parents and you won't always see eye to eye, but you're still commanded to honor. Seek their value and advice. When you get into college and you get older, you're going to want to go by your parents, especially if you've got good parents, you're going to want to go by your parents' advice. Why? It says it's the first commandment with a promise. What's the promise? That things may go well with you and you'll have long life. The person you date negatively affects your relationship with your parents. It will change the quantity and quantity of your life. It's pretty serious. So, rebellious Ryan, parents are concerned. We're dumping you. I don't, I don't know if Tyler's up for wheeling, wheeling Hunter out of here. We're gonna make Hunter do the walk of shame. So everybody boo him as he leaves. Rebellious Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we can say get out. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. Um, but then there's another thing to think about. He's, maybe he's passed the parent, she's passed the believer test. She's passed the parent test. What about the friend test? What about the friend test? Your parents aren't concerned, but are your friends concerned? I want you to meet, you may have seen him on Instagram. I want you to meet Snapchat Steve. Um, yeah. I know you're a, 11th grade girl and you think you're pretty getting pretty old pretty mature and he's a freshman in college and yeah yeah big red flag first off yeah somebody said it you're right and you know he's a member of the frat and he likes to tell everybody he is you can tell right he's got the Sperry's he's got the polo you know the, the, the whole thing and all of your friends Just like somebody said over here, red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag. And you're like, they're just jealous because they can't land a freshman like I can. Do you like that look? No? Okay. Um, what What does God say? What does the Lord say through the writer of Proverbs? He says, where there's no guidance, a people falls, but in the abundance of counselors, there is safety. That word abundance means like sufficient amount. If you're like me sometimes, if if you're doing something that your friends just aren't crazy about, everybody is telling you this person's wrong, they're toxic, they're bad, you find the one person that agrees with you. You know what I mean? Like you'll move heaven and earth, turn over all the rocks, and you're like, oh, this one person that I met one time, like, like they think he's a good guy. But there's like a string of ex-girlfriends, crazy ex-girlfriends in his life. Here's a little, here's a little pro tip here. If he leaves behind a string of crazy ex-girlfriends, it's probably not the ex-girlfriends who are crazy. Right? Uh, Also in Proverbs, we learn this. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than the kisses (laughs) of the enemy. Please don't do that again. (laughs) People in your life who love you And this is from the Word of God. 
People in your life who love you will tell you straight up. So who, it is, who is it in your life that'll tell you straight up how they feel? Usually, usually we don't listen to them when we know what they're gonna say. So Snapchat Steve, I know you're in college. You're probably failing all your classes, but I know you're in college, but you gotta go bye-bye. You're taking the walk of shame. Everybody boom on the way out. Friends are concerned. Friends are concerned. The multitude of counselors says no. But maybe this person that you're interested in is a believer. The parent, your, your parents are like, we, we can deal with this. The friends give you the green light. The next question that you should be asking is, are you still growing in Jesus and committed to the family of God? Oh, I've missed a few steps here. Sorry about that. Let's wait for it to develop here. Are you growing spiritually? I'm gonna meet this guy. Sounds like kind of a, um, a NASCAR name, but his name is Backsliding Bobby. So where's Backsliding Bobby? Oh, he, he looks like a NASCAR driver. He looks like he's straight out of South Alabama. Uh, <laughs> and this is, a, this is Backsliding Bobby. You know, I've heard from a lot of people. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's what's up. Okay. <laughs> you got to clean that up before you go to Georgia. Um, so, <laughs> so here's the thing with backsliding Bobby. Backsliding Bobby, when he was five years old at a VBS, prayed a prayer that he can't quite remember, but he says he's a Christian. And your parents ask you, Bobby is a little strange. Is he a Christian? Oh, yeah, Mom. He said he's a Christian. And then you tell all our friends, I met this good Christian guy. See, I get this story from a lot of y'all sometimes. It's like, yeah, I've been going out with this guy, or yeah, I've been going out with this girl. I was like, was she a Christian? Yeah, I, I, I think so. Said she is. Well, they, are they involved with a, 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 an assembly of believers? Are they, are they, are they in the world? I, I don't know, but they're Christian. You got backsliding Bobby here, and he is wasting your life. Ecclesiastes was written by Solomon, who had a lot of girlfriends. And a lot of wives, actually. By the hundreds. It's a weird scenario. You don't want to follow Solomon in this area. And at the end of his life, he said this. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near which you say I have no pleasure in him. You know, you are living in some of the most impactful days of your life. Your, your brain is changing and your spirituality is developing at like a, a, a NASCAR level pace. And the Bible says don't waste your life. The question shouldn't just be, is this person a Christian? The question should be, is this person walking with God? It's interesting, sometimes I see some of y'all, and I'm not trying to be judgy. We'll talk about judging next week, by the way, back in Matthew, back in the Sermon on the Mount. Some of y'all, as soon as you get a boyfriend, we don't see you for three months until you break up with him. As soon as you get a girlfriend, you got the girlfriend, now you're ghosting us. And then when she goes to you, you come back to us. You are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. When you get with backsliding Bobby, and you're all backsliding together, and we don't have you with us, you know what? We're like a body that's missing a part. We're limping. <laughs> we're, like a, yeah, we're like a body that's missing an eye. We're like running into everything. We need you. 
So the question is, are you growing in Jesus and committed to the family of God? Are you still growing spiritually? Are you, are you closer to God now than when you started dating this person? If not, you're dating backsliding Bobby. So backsliding Bobby, sorry. We're not growing spiritually with you, so you got to go. Everybody boom on the way out. You got to go. You're getting dumped. Oh my goodness. Yeah, we're ready for backsliding Bobby to be gone. But, you know, so maybe, maybe you're with someone, believer, parents on the board, parents on board, friends on board. You're still growing spiritually. The next question that we're going to be asking, and this is one that I want to work carefully, are you being pressured to compromise sexually? I want you to meet Prom Night Parker. I mean, doesn't he look good? Man, he cleans up good. This is, uh, this is prom night, Parker. I know we had a, a, some problems last week. We have some problems this week, weekend. You know what's wild to me? This is a statistic that, sadly, it didn't surprise me. One half of U.S. Christians, not U.S. people, U.S. Christians believe that casual sex between consenting people is sometimes or always acceptable. Would I be right in saying there is really a great omission to the Great Commission? That half of us, when I say us, I don't mean the people in the room, half of U.S. Christians have decided we're not going to observe all that Jesus commanded because one of the most like clear, outright passages in the Bible speaks about this very subject. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says this, flee from sexual immorality. Every other person, uh, every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but a sexually immoral person sins against his, old, his own body. See, I, I, this is where we gotta, I, I wanna be careful and, and not turn this into something funny because this is one of the most serious ones. Problem night Patrick asked you out, but he's got ulterior motives. He's expecting something at the end of prom night. Are you being pressured to compromise sexually? You know, the Bible says we're supposed to flee sexual immorality, not date it. So if you're trying to figure out how far you can go physically without breaking God's law, guess what? You've already broken it. Why am I so serious about this one? Because some of you spend a lot of time in health class learning how to be safe. There's not a biologist, there's not a scientist, there's not a chemist in the world that's been able to develop protection for your soul. So are you being pressured to compromise sexually? If that's the case, we gotta get prom night Parker out of here. So leave, get out of here. Don't let the, don't let the door hit you. If you're not fleeing, we're fleeing. But maybe, maybe, and we're going to draw this to a close. We're at the last one here. Maybe they've checked all the boxes so far. They're a believer in Jesus. Parents approve. Friends say he's okay. Um, she, she's, you're still growing spiritually by dating her. Not being pressured to compromise sexually. But are you desperate for a date? Is the whole reason you're saying yes to this person just because you want someone to go out with? 
I want to be careful not to be too judgy. But I believe this verse says more into the situation of teenage and probably adult dating than any other verse. It's in Proverbs chapter 27. It says, a person who is full refuses honey, but bitter food tastes sweet to the hungry. We're going to bring out Spencer the simp. Where are you at, Spencer? We're going to bring out Spencer the simp. Okay, I mean, like, here, here's the thing. Spencer isn't the worst person in the world. Spencer isn't the worst person in the world, but he's also not the, the, <laughs> the best person in the world. Oh, wow. But here's the thing that every, here's the thing that you love about Spencer. He gives you attention. He keeps trying and trying and trying. And guess what? Nobody else is going out with you. He's kind of a lazy person. He spends a lot of time in his parents' basement eating hot, pox, hot pockets and playing Fortnite. He doesn't have much work ethic. He's kind of a slob. He's got one of those weird hair, haircuts that looks like a, an animal just died on the top of his head. But he's available. Let me read this verse again. A person who is full refuses honey, but even bitter food tastes sweet to the hungry. Have you ever been so hungry for food that you'll eat anything? You know what I mean? Like, like, like there's only one reason people go to Taco Bell. There's only one reason people go to Taco Bell. It's because there's nowhere else to stop. And you've been on a road trip and you're up in like, 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 like Bung County, West Virginia and there's one restaurant on the exit and it's a Taco Bell. It's one of those that has like the flies like, 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 like flying around the tables. If you put every worker together, you'd, find, you'd have like half a set of teeth. But you're going to eat there. Because your stomach is eating itself from the inside out. You know what I mean? Have you ever been so hungry that you're not real discerning in what you eat? <coughs> then you eat Taco Bell and you get explosive diarrhea. Right? I don't know if you've ever heard this, but it's been said not to go to the grocery store hungry. Because you'll buy all the unhealthy things. Some of you are doing the dating equivalent of going to the grocery store hungry. You're so unfulfilled in your relationship with Christ and you need a relationship with someone that you'll settle for Spencer the simp. <laughs> no human being apart from God can complete you, from Jesus can complete you, especially not Spencer the simp. His only redeeming quality is that he's available. Don't go grocery shopping hungry or you'll end up with Mr. Right now instead of Mr. Right. Some of you are dating the equivalent of Taco Bell and you wonder why you have explosion, relational explosive diarrhea. When your, stand, when, your, when, when your desperation level goes up, your standards go down. Find fulfillment in Jesus and then watch your standards go way up. So Spencer, sorry. You're just not up to our standards. Get out of here. So we've reached the end. <laughs> we've reached the end. Maybe somebody's a believer. Maybe your parents are on board. Your friends are on board. 
They're not, you know, you're growing spiritually. They're not trying to get you to compromise sexually. And you're not just dating out of desperation. Ready to see the heart? Everybody say, oh, it's coming. Oh. Even after you get through all that, we need to be wise. Because we are followers of Jesus. And we're going to obey all that he commands. Sometimes we go verse by verse through a passage. But sometimes things happen in our lives where we got to ask, what does the Bible say about this? That's what we did tonight. To say it one more time, my relationship with Jesus determines the kinds of relationships I'll have with others. So we're going to pray. Then we're going to get out of here. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. And as we have this time with the Lord before we leave, I want to just ask you two questions. So bow your head, close your eyes. It's not going to be one of those raise your hand, respond type things. I just want to ask you two questions. That's going to determine how you pray as we, as we exit. The first is, is your life dedicated to Jesus? Are you dedicated to being a disciple of Jesus? The rest of the stuff is never going to be right until you get the Jesus thing right. Have you believed in Jesus? Are you willing to identify with Jesus? Do you love him so much that you'll obey all that he's commanded? Dedicate your life to Jesus tonight. And some of you need to decide what to do with a current relationship. Maybe as we were working through some of the comical things but serious things that we talked about tonight, you realized, and there's some big issues with this person that I've let into my life tonight. Tonight, I want to ask you, as we pray, to ask God for wisdom about what you should do with that relationship that you're in. So whichever of those you need to do, dedicate your life to God, decide what you need to do with the relationship you're in. As I'm praying out loud, I want you to pray quietly in your heart and take care of some business with God. And God, we love you. And we don't obey you just because we think our life's gonna get better, even though I couldn't imagine a life not obeying you, not living for you. But God, we, we obey you because we love you. Because you gave everything for us. You put it all on the line for us. We willingly put our lives on the line for you. God, I pray that as we have some teens that they haven't really got into the dating scene yet and that's okay. God, that as they've been thinking about some of these things that your word says about the people we let into our life, God, that it'll stick with them. It'll help them to be wise and discerning about who they let in their lives. God, I pray for people tonight that are in the middle of a relationship and it's, it's no easy thing to evaluate whether to dump or whether to date. So God, I pray you'll give them wisdom to know what's right and then that you'll give them the courage to do what's right. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.